Hey, good morning to all of you. Uh, welcome to our uh, uh, services here at Grand Point this morning. And I realize that you're all on a listening audience out there, a video audience. So whether you're a regular member of Grand Point or maybe even watching for the very first time, I want to give you a special welcome and welcome into this time together. This has been a busy week. Uh, Monday was officially Star Wars Day. Tuesday was Cinco de Mayo. Thursday was National Day of Prayer. And of course, today is Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all of you mothers out there. Uh, my message today is not necessarily what you would what would call a uh, like a, a typical Mother's Day message, like flower pots of praise or pedicures of promise. Or I'm not sure where we came up with that, but you know those kind of mother motherly kind of things. But I do believe, I really do believe that what we're going to talk about today is the perfect, the perfect message for Mother's Day. Because what we want to talk about today is the supernatural power that's available to us that enables us to do all things. Now, Penny and I did the parenting thing years ago, and for the most part, it was an absolute joy for us. But we realized that there are those infrequent days that come that we wonder what in the world were we thinking when we decided to have kids. And then it comes with that sobering realization that you can't send them back. No, you've got to live with these kids. You have to raise these kids, nurture these kids for at least 18 years. But here's the beauty of this. Whether parenting for you is a challenge or any other relationship for that matter, or any circumstance that you're going through in your life right now, if it's a challenge and you feel like this is beyond you, right? You can't do this. Maybe it's a decision you need to make. Maybe it's a, 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 you know, a work challenge or just a life challenge that's there. I want you to know today that there is a power available to you that is greater than your own. In fact, the Bible even says something like this. It says it's even greater than what you might even expect. So today we're going to talk about that power that is available to us. And uh, we're so glad that you're a part of this. Uh, I want you to, uh, you know, lean into this. I want you to learn from it because this is a life changer for you. So with that in mind, with that little introduction, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts, it's the fifth book of the New Testament, follows the Gospels, Acts chapter 2. And while you're finding that in your Bible, let me just give a word of thanks to Ben and uh, JK, Layla, and Natalie for making sure that I had my tea today. You guys are amazing. Uh, thank you for being a part of that, uh, a part of us. And for all of you joining in today, thank you for connecting with us and taking these few moments uh, just to be a part of our services here. We're going to be spending a lot of time together in the book of Acts. Let me just give you a little bit of a, a heads up. Uh, this is not only for a month. We're going to be taking several months and working through the book of Acts because I want you, I want this book to inform us what it means to be a spirit-filled church. Uh, my four-year-old grandson, Axel, uh, said to me the other day, he says, Pop, Pop, your sermons are really boring. And the problem with that is Axel is one of the most observing and most honest kids that I know. And then he said, he said something like this. He says, Pop up, you've got, to, you've got to say something in your sermons that make kids want to watch you. Well, Axel, or to anyone else out there, I can't promise that I'll be able to keep everyone's attention the whole way through the book of Acts. But there are some things in here that I am super excited to tell you about because of what it will mean for us as a congregation right here at Grand Point. In the song, Spirit of the Living God, that the worship team just did for us, 
there was this line in that song that said, speaking of the spirit, it said, when you come into the room and do what only you can do, it changes us. It changes what we see. It changes what we seek. I want you to keep that in mind because that, that image of somebody coming into the room, I want you to keep that in mind as we work through this today. Uh, have you ever noticed how things change when certain people enter the room? I mean, I remember in middle school, there were those days when the teacher was late getting into the classroom. And those were the times that some of us seized the moment to try to impress the rest of our class, the rest of the class with our mischief. So when the teacher was not there, paper airplanes were flying all across the room, perfect jet streams all across the room. Better yet was the day when it was erasers. You know what, and if you were sitting near that place where the airplane landed or the eraser landed, you'd have to get out of your seat, try to get that and, 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 and throw it back across the room, you know, before the teacher came in. But the moment the teacher entered the room, everything changed, right? Everyone was back in their seats. There was order, there was behavior once again, there was silence. In 1979, I moved to Alaska just for the pure adventure of it. And, I uh, went to Homer and uh, began to work in this fishing town. By the way, if you ever travel to Alaska, Homer is a great place to visit. So you go into Anchorage, go about 200 miles south, and you'll come to this little uh, spit called Homer. Homer's out there at the end of the spit. It's a beautiful little fishing town. One of the places you've got to stop is the Salty Dog Saloon. And even if you don't drink, it's worth just checking into the history of the, the Salty Dog and getting your picture taken there. But it's a neat little place. Uh, where you can visit. But I worked there in Homer in a fishery, and I worked with two guys by the name of Danny and Kevin. These guys, Danny and Kevin, were from West Texas, and they were these Texas boys, and they came there just to work for the summer. I got to work with them, and Kevin was kind of this little guy, but he talked a lot. And so one day we're in the break room, and uh, Kevin is doing his uh, Southern draw smack talk, right? He's just smack talking, and he did not see Giles walk into the room. Now, Giles was our boss, and he was a big guy. Giles wore t-shirts that were tight, and they were tight for a reason. I mean, he filled them out. He was this big guy. And Giles is standing there at the back of the room, and little Kevin's up there doing his Southern Draw smack talk, and all of a sudden, Giles walks over to Kevin, picks him up by the straps of his fishing bibs, takes him over, literally hangs him on the coat rack in the, in the break room. It was the most hilarious thing ever, but from that moment on, whenever Giles walked into the room, there was everybody watched what they said uh, because of his power that, that he had. But I think one of the most impressive illustrations of somebody walking into the room is when the President of the United States makes his State of the Union address. Right, you've seen it. You know, the chamber is full of, of men and women and they're chattering, they're mingling, they're, you know, rushing up against those people that they need to be uh, speaking to, all the while staying within their little party zones. But then, then in the midst of all the noise and the hustle of the, of, of the chamber, the doors at the back of the chamber open. And this entourage of people step into the room and the guy in the front says, ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. And everybody stops their individual talk and their conversations, and they turn their attention toward the President of the United States. And then, under normal circumstances, 
They respectfully applaud the president as he walks through the chamber and makes his way to the platform. Always like that. In fact, I always thought that's how it should be when a pastor shows up to lead a congregational meeting. Actually, I'm okay with the way it all happens here, but there's something about uh, a change that occurs when certain people step into the room. But the question we want to ask and answer today is this. What happens? What happens when the Holy Spirit steps into the room? Or more specifically, what happens when the Holy Spirit enters your life? Now, last Sunday, we began this series from the book of Acts, and we learned from the very first chapter that Jesus had a pretty amazing plan for those who followed him, and that, that includes you and me. It was right after Jesus' resurrection, or his death on the cross, and then his resurrection, he pulled his followers together, and he says, guys, my work on this earth is done. Everything that I came here to do, it is done. It is finished. I am now going back to my father. But I'm not going to go back to my father before I, before I tell you this. And then he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That is Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And that right there is the outline for the book of Acts. But not only that, it's the outline for your life. It's the outline for every life who is a believer in Jesus Christ. So I want to talk to you today about what happens, what actually happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, because that is the key. You're not going to receive the power. You're not going to be a witness uh, unless the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, some of you listening today are fully aware of the Spirit's presence in your life. I mean, your life is basically under the control of the Holy Spirit. You experience it daily. You know the power of it. You enjoy it, and, and you're there. You're there. Others of us, perhaps, are uh, we, we've heard about the Holy Spirit, but we're not quite sure what it is or who it is or what it's supposed to be doing in our lives. In fact, some of us uh, not, we're not even sure if we like this Holy Spirit thing. You know what? We're great with the Father, the Father who loves us and the Father who gives us good things. We're good with, the, with Jesus as the Savior, the one who forgives our sins and, you know, promises a home with him someday. But we're not quite sure what to do with the Holy Spirit. And then there are others that may be listening today that have never heard of the Holy Spirit. Or if you did, you never fully understood what it was. And if that's you, I can't wait to tell you about it. I can't wait to tell you about him. So in order to do that, let me begin by going back approximately 685 years, I'm sorry, 865 years, uh, when the prophet Joel envisioned a time when the Holy Spirit would be available to everyone. And here's what he said in the book of Joel. He quotes the Lord who said in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, he said, in the last days, by the way, that's where we're living right now. We're living in those last days. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. How many millennia had God waited for this moment? How intently, I wonder, were the angels focused on this moment that was going to happen? The spirit that had been present and kind of moved over the waters at the very beginning of creation. The very spirit that is mentioned in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. That spirit that actually breathed uh, life into the first of the creatures of dust, that spirit that worked in and moved among God's people all throughout history, that very spirit was now coming to inhabit them. 
Not just to be around them, not to be over them, not to be behind them or under them, but to be in them. That spirit was coming to be in them. And this was more than some kind of a fireworks display on Sinai. This was more than a glory cloud that would fill the temple. This was a redefinition of the temple itself. This was a recreation of the people of God that were made in his own image. It was the implementation, watch this, an implementation of a new kind of being. This was something brand new that was coming. See, the spirit was always there, but it was always this external influence and never an internal reality. And so this internal reality of the spirit now is something that is brand new, something new and significant was going to come one day. And now we come to Acts chapter two, verse one, and here it is. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Pentecost was this uh, annual feast that was celebrated 50 days after the resurrection of Christ. And Jews from all over the nations, every nation around would come into Jerusalem uh, for this festival. Now in verse two, it says, while they were there, suddenly the sound of a blowing, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, now these are the apostles, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't those who are speaking Galileans? Well, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, right? Egypt uh, are Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them, listen to this, we hear them, the, speaking of the apostles, declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some of them even made fun of them and said, well, they've had too much to drink. Well, then Peter stood up with the 11. He raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. And he said, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> Maybe Peter should have realized that doesn't stop everyone, but normally that's not when you're drunk. No, Peter says, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even of my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Did you know that many of the Old Testament prophets had a book with their name on it? So, so when you read the Old Testament, you'll come across books like Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, right? All of these were, were named after the prophet who wrote the book. So basically these books recognize the actions and the words of the apostles whose name was given to the book. Now, with the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost, it's almost as each, each one of us is now a book of the Spirit. 
That doesn't mean that we can write scripture because scripture is in a class all of its own. This, this is a completed word. So it doesn't mean that we're adding more scripture, but it does mean that it is to say that the spirit is now in you speaking and moving through you. Now listen to this. I firmly believe this. Every single believer should be able to have a book written about them. The book of your life, all the things that God said and did uh, through you. See, remember when the spirit of God comes, you will be his witness. Well, let me ask you the question this morning. What is your story? What is your story? If someone were to read the book of your life, would they see the incredible power of God at work in you? Would they see things that the Spirit said to you, the things that the Spirit moved you to do? Would they see a radical change in you that would want them to have the very same thing? What would your story look like? What would the book of your life look like? Well, in Acts chapter 2, Peter's telling his story. But his story is not about what he did. His story is not about what other people were doing in his life. No, his story is about who God is. And in telling his story, he quotes Psalm 16, where it says, With the Lord at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Is that part of your story? And he says, Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Is that your story? There's a couple things that I want to leave with you today. Uh, a couple points that I, th I think we can take from this that I want you to maybe write down or at least you know, kind of recognize in your head. Number one is this. When the Spirit walks into the room, when the Spirit enters your life, your story changes. Your story completely changes. Life is no longer as usual. It changes. It can't help but change, and it's a radical change, and it becomes attractive to others. Now, when the people heard this, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, says, when the people heard this, that is Peter's story, it says they were cut to the heart. In other words, man, it landed. This was an impact in their lives. They were influenced by this, and they said to Peter and the apostles, Hey, brothers, brothers, what should we do? Like, like, how do we get this as well? What are we supposed to do in response to this? See, the evidence of the Spirit in your life, your story should be so different that, 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 and so attractive that people around you, people reading the book of your life will be asking, what is it that is different about you? Well, what makes you like this? What makes you so calm in the midst of the crisis? What makes you so bold, you know, when the world around you is so accusing? What makes you so calm? You know, what makes you be able to speak and, and say and do things like you do? And Peter answers that question in verse 38 by saying, uh, each of you, now watch this, this is the key. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then the gift of the Holy Spirit will come on you. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is so important for us because, listen, we're, gonna, we're kinda gonna, in that first phrase, we, we, kind of, we kind of gave a result. Now we're going to give the reason. 
Why does your life look like this? Why is your life different? And we're also going to end with another result or consequence, but here's the, here's the reason why. The reason why their lives were different was because there was a repentance. There was a turning away from themselves and a turning toward God. Now, these words, repent and baptized, I mean, they're, they're such religious-sounding words and phrases that they don't really have an impact on us unless you understand what they mean. So I don't want to leave here today until I kind of unpack what it means to repent and be baptized, because repent and be baptized. Now, I want you to listen to this, especially those of, who have been in the church for a long, long time, because sometimes we lose this. But repent and be baptized is more than just believing that there's a God. It's more than just saying a prayer to accept Christ into your heart. But it's truly acknowledging truly and genuinely acknowledging that you're a sinner. Now, most of us don't like to go there. In fact, we like to think of ourselves as being pretty good. We're pretty good. We don't like to acknowledge the fact that we're sinners, but the very moment that we acknowledge that we're sinners and we're grieved by the fact that our sin offends God, so much so that we go to him and say, God, I want my sins to be forgiven. That means repentance. So we're grieved for the fact, by, by the very fact that there's sin in our lives. We go to God and ask him for forgiveness of that sin. And then we, we also want our hearts, our hearts to be aligned with the very heart of God. That's what it means to, to, um, to be forgiven. In other words, it's letting go of everything that stands in the way of God's power being lived in you. See, this power is available but the sin in our lives keeps it from happening or it keeps it from being realized. The simple reason that we do not have more of God's power today, the reason that more people are not asking us what is different in our lives is because we've not aligned our hearts with his in every area. Frankly, we don't look a whole lot different from the rest of the world. But with the very spirit of God in us, we should and we will. So, but many times we're stuck. We're stuck in old ways of thinking. We're, old, we're stuck in old patterns of living. And we don't really want anything new to happen because if the Spirit of God is in you, it is moving. It is changing you. It is not allowing you to be the same as you've always been. If your life is the same now as it was five years ago or ten years ago or even one year ago, you're not allowing the Spirit of God to have its way in you. And that's the significance of, of, of this message today, allowing the Spirit of God to move and have his way in you. See, what, but what it takes is an actual shift. It's not just a desire for this, but a real turn toward him. And the gift of the Spirit is ours in increasing measure. So the second thing I want you to leave with today is this. The Spirit comes into the room when, when we turn from our sins and turn toward God. That's the repentance. But finally, let me wrap this up by showing you what happens now when the Spirit does come into the room. So number one, we realize when the Spirit comes into the room, your story changes, right? And it becomes attractive to others. The Spirit does come into the room when you repent of your sins. And now let me show you the collective result of this as it was in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all God's people. Number three, when the Spirit of God enters the room, there will be consequences. And it's a beautiful consequence. In this case, there were many. There was this deep sense of awe. There were these miracles. There was sacrificial generosity. There was worship and praise. There was joy. There was unity. There was favor. You see, when divine power is obvious, when the weight of God's glory fills a room or fills a building or fills a city, the attributes of that power just begin to manifest themselves everywhere. Hearts fall in line with the very character of God that they experience. And that is why it is so important to experience God and not just know him. See, if you just know God, if you just take God's word and and you want to know God, so you begin to read God's word and that's important. But if it's only that, and then you try to develop habits from what you learned, that is going to be a disappointing process for you filled with fits and starts and many failures because it's actually working from the outside in. And that may work in some cases, but usually it's a disappointment for you. But an encounter with God, a a release of the control of our lives to him with this increased awareness of his presence is the beginning of God's work from the inside out. And here's how it works. It's when you realize, again, that you don't have this power that you want for life. You realize it's available. It's the gift of God. It's yours by asking for it, simply by asking. And you come and you say, God, my life has been characterized by sin. I mean, it's been selfish. I've had a very selfish nature, but now that is changing. I want that to change. So you invite God into your life. And when you invite God into your life, that's when the spirit comes in and it begins to make these changes within you. The encounter with God, when we release our control of our lives to him with this increased awareness of his presence, The consequences are we begin to become like him. We become overwhelmed by him. Let me wrap this up by asking you a few questions. To what degree, to what degree does God overwhelm you? To what degree is he overwhelming your life? To what degree are you experiencing the supernatural power of the spirit in you, kind of influencing your thoughts? To what degree does your life overflow with spirit-filled worship? To what degree does your life bear the fruit of the spirit? See, you can't muster this up. You can't manufacture this. In fact, you can't even just ask for the spirit and, and, and expect it to come. No, you ask for God to control your life, and the spirit comes as a result of that, as a consequence of it. See, it's a gift from God. And it's a gift that's available to every single person who looks to him for it. Listen, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you've experienced the spiritual power within you or not. You know, you may be one of those that that, that gets this. Man, this is how you've been living your life. Maybe others of you just heard about it, but you weren't quite sure what it was. Or maybe this is the first time you ever heard about this. But I want you to know that this is the secret 
This is the absolute secret to living the Christian life. This is the only way that you can fulfill your purpose here on this earth, is it's with the Spirit's power working in you, making you able for all things. I want to end our time by praying for you. And listen, if you've never, if you have never experienced Christ as your Savior and the indwelling Spirit, I want you to pray along with me. And I want, you to, I want you to respond and just let us know that if you prayed this prayer, because we want to follow up with you and actually pray more for you, because this is the beginning. This could be the beginning of something brand new for you that you never experienced before. And it's a new beginning that you will never regret. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, we just ask that right now at this moment that you would fall fresh on us. For those of us that have, that have experienced Christ in our lives and this power in our lives, God, infuse us with even more. Awaken that power within us today so that we might be able to live it out and work it out in our lives. <clears throat> For those of us that have never experienced it, or maybe there's even a question of whether we experienced it, I pray that right now, at this moment, wherever we are, whether we're in our homes, at work, outside somewhere, wherever we are today, I just pray that right now, we would just breathe out that prayer to you, acknowledging the fact that we have, for the most part, been living very selfish, self-centered lives. And we ask you for forgiveness for that. God, take our lives, take our self-centeredness, and replace it with that very control and that spirit's control that you want to put in us. Father, we need that. We need that supernatural power uh, for our lives. Just, just give it to us right now. Uh, as we repent of our sins and ask you for that new life to dwell within us. And God, I'm so grateful today that we can rest assured that when we ask, when we uh, ask for this to happen, that you are faithful and you're just, you will forgive us for all, from all of our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and fill us with this incredible power. God, we need it. And thank you. Thank you for providing it for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer with me today, I want to make sure that we can follow up with you and, and uh, just help you through this because this is, as I said, the beginning of something brand new. Hey, we invite you back next week again as we move right into chapter three. And we're not going to go quite as far. We're just going to look at a miracle that happened and kind of relate that to the ways that God's power can also work in your life. We believe that God is still a miracle working God. And we want you to live with that hope and that promise as well. So we'll see you next Sunday. And until then, just begin to open up your hearts and allow the spirit to invade your hearts, your mind, and your lives. Let him walk into the room of your life.